5: I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is all ball, all basketball, all the time, sort of. We talk a lot of other stuff as well, including part two of our, of our talk with uh, the new predator, Dane DeLegro. He joins me in studio. We got a ton, ton of great stories that he's already told us in, in uh, part one and more here in part two, really, really fun and interesting stuff. Um, Before we get to part two with Dane, I did want to give you my thoughts on, on the um, unwinding of the 19-year age limit for the NBA draft. Uh, this is something that's long been discussed, long been desired by the NBA PA, And the NBA, whether they want it or don't want it, it's just been a leverage point where they said we'd get to it. Now it feels like they're going to get to it. So what does it do? Well, look, college basketball coaches forever have said, why don't we just have the baseball rule? You know, college baseball rule, you go out of high school or you got to stay for three years. That works. Here's the problem with it. College baseball. And, and I get, I get that basketball is an inherently different sport. Um, I totally understand that. I, I understand that basketball is wired differently, that the tradition, the pomp, the circumstance, all of those things and. What you're going to do when you have and, and you know, I know these they want more draft picks as well, which, of course, will create a bigger influx of young players who go directly to the minor leagues, to the to the G League. There's a there's a lack of sustainability, I believe, to the whole thing. I could be wrong because obviously Gatorade changing from the D League to the G League. Uh, is a big proponent of it. The league wants it to stay alive. It helps the teams, but they have, don't get me wrong. They lose money. This is not a money maker um, for, for the most part. I, I, I would guess it's a little different with the Gatorade money, but not much different. The G league ignite is not a money maker. It's just not. And the weird thing that I haven't heard anybody say, at least in front of a microphone is you know, it doesn't matter that the players are better than G league than they are in college basketball. People don't watch minor league sports. So the the caution to, to college basketball is this idea that we like the college baseball model sounds great, but does anybody watch college baseball outside the college baseball world series? The answer is no. And you don't want to, you don't want that to be your sport that you don't want that to be your MO that nobody cares. On the other hand, the, the cautionary tale for the NBA is it doesn't matter how good the talent is in the G league. We don't watch minor league sports. We just don't. And I think turning college football or basketball into a minor league sport is a mistake. And depending upon a minor league sport, a true minor league sport to, to, to draw a number on a TV rating is an ill-fated concept. I don't know, it seemed to work for a long time the way that we used to do it. And now that you have name, image, and likeness, guys should stay longer than our borderline. I I don't love this rule, but I would especially not like this rule if you can come out of college, go back in, come out of college, go back in. Now you can get compensated with NIL. Now you can transfer right away without sitting out, all of which is not great for college basketball, but it's great for the student athlete. I think expanding the draft pool um and frankly lowering the age limit it's just going to make more people charge into this thing headlong and and that doesn't make it a great decision all right let's get you to Dane Delegro here's part 2 of my discussion with the new star of the new predator Dane Delegro so you have you finally got this passport you get done playing so then all was, these
6: like all these european agents start coming out of the woodwork. how uh, facebook They just, I don't, same thing with the Jew, the Jew basketball radar. They just find you. I don't know. They look up stats. They look up division one. How many division one schools are there? So they, you know.
5: 354 now, I think. But back then there was probably, you know, there's 325, 350. So if you, if you have like a hardworking, relatively smart agent,
6: he can, he can find these graduating seniors who could go play overseas and, I don't know if it's public information, or not that I have my passport, but there are people who are starting to pursue me now. Yeah. And it's, it's a little bit of a factory. Like, you know, there a guy from Germany came and did his rounds on the East coast and met with me at New Hampshire. And my numbers weren't bad, but I started for four years. So I think that stands out. Um, I graduated, I was the second all-time leading rebounder in school history. Oh, that's another, I was, I could have been the all-time leading rebounder in school history. I got suspended for what? I had, a <laughs> I used a fake parking pass that our SID, who, but by, by the way, our SID on the road was my roommate. His name, I, I, don't, I don't, his name doesn't matter. I'm not even gonna, his, his name is Eric, but um, uh, he copied his like faculty parking pass, photocopied it and gave it to me so that I could park um, closer to the field house so I wouldn't have to walk. That's great. Amazing. Solid. Our athletic trainer saw me one day and snitched on me, reported it not to my head coach, but to the athletic director. And I got suspended for three games for extra benefits. And the NCAA forced me to pay $100 to a charity of my choice. Like, first of all, looking back, no. The NCAA, you cannot fucking do that. You can't force me. Okay, what am I? I'm not paying. Well, you can't play. That's You can't do that. I well, certainly can't. I don't know. But that shit wouldn't fly today. I can tell you that much, all that extra benefit shit. Well, yeah, that that stuff has got, well. For parking pass, I got suspended for three games. People thought I was dealing drugs. I'm at New Hampshire. Uh, I'm at Vermont. They're like, were you dealing drugs? I heard you're dealing-, dealing drugs. I had a fake parking pass. Crazy. Three games? Three games. Three. F- and so I was did, averaging. Did the, trainer,
5: did the trainer understand what he, she was sh- doing?
6: No, she did not. No, she was just, no, she didn't. She was from North Shore, Massachusetts and just wanted to snitch on me. And that's it. And I was averaging 8.8. So how
5: many rebounds short are you of being the all-time leading rebounder?
6: So I was averaging 8.8 rebounds a game that season. And I missed three games and I missed the all-time leading rebound record by 24 rebounds.
5: We've been close, but very likely. If I knew... And and who were the team? Oh, if you knew, you would have gotten more? If I knew,
6: I would have dedicated these games to rebounding. It's since changed. The, the the record has been broken by now. You know, uh-huh. I, I, I would have been...
5: I don't even know. Um, well, because they play more games now, too.
6: Well, they play more games, and, like, the, yeah, there, there are, like, better... Re- it, it, those those records are so fragile because we never had players at New Hampshire anyway. So <laughs> you bring one guy in who's
5: capable of doing a lot of things, and, you know, they'll, they're going to break all the records. So I was seventh all-time... Assists. When I, when I finished. Yeah. But I finished three short of Greg Anthony. Oh, man. And then Aaron Miles is uh, was uh, how many away? He's uh, seven short of him. Um, I'm nine short of Tony Miller at Marquette. Mm. And 13 short of Sherman Douglas. I and mean, these are all-time great. How right? old are you? I'm 46.
6: Oh, you didn't play with Travis Diener, against Travis Diener. No. He was my point guard.
5: So, so my point is my, my story is I wasn't suspended, but one um, Notre Dame did not help because one, we lost in the first game in the big East tournament. Mm-hmm. We didn't play any postseason play and we played pretty slow, right? That, 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 that didn't help, but I did start that year. So it, I'd, I probably got more than most guys, but then Oklahoma state. So my, the year I only led the country one time, a second, the other time, but when the year I led it. Um, two things, one, so I was averaging like 12 and 10 and we play out here, play UCLA. That's and crazy. And I had gotten a, a technical foul against Florida Gulf coast. <laughs> so here's the, here's the, here's the story. Okay. Um, my sophomore year, we, we were picked last in the league. Oh, wow. And, um, that's at, at Oklahoma state. Yeah. So I had sat out a year, decided to go to Oklahoma state and, um, really was, there was a bunch of other schools I was going to go to. And it just kind of all fell into place. Plus, they badly needed a point guard. And if you watch their team play, be like, they're actually really good. They just are playing way too slow because they don't have a point guard and they don't have anybody who makes everybody else better. Like right. they had really, like Joe Atkins was my two guard. He averaged like four and a half assists a game our senior year. He was a great passer and scorer. He just wasn't a point guard, right? Like right. he didn't think of getting everybody else involved. Desmond Mason was, a, was playing a wing and, you know, When I got there, we moved into the four. We played small, and he was great. You know, like as a he, it was just a constant mismatch, right? Mm. So anyway, we had a a really good sophomore year. We got a bad draw. We lose to Duke in the NCAA tournament, kind of similarly to your UConn story, where we we're tied with Duke with two and a half to go. We get nothing you can do, but we tied. No, I, I meant not the officiating, which wasn't great, but it was more. That you get home and oh, people yeah. are celebrating, you're like, We lost. Like, no, but you almost beat Duke. Like, we lost. Yeah. Like, no, you almost beat Duke. Like, we fucking lost. We should have won the game. Like, dude, have a beer. I, like, right. I don't remember. So and my It was a hard fought battle
6: and it was I'm sure it was great to watch. Right. But the end result is what is really
5: Plus like you know, if you're in the moment, you're like, we should have won the game. It was a tie right. game with two and a half minutes to go and we yeah. missed a couple of shots and we they scored. Like we should have won guy. the game. Yeah. So um so my junior year, we were picked <laughs> we were top preseason top ten. Because we had everybody back except our starting center. A guy named Brett Robish. Brett, uh, his dad, played in the NBA. Mm. His brother was on the team too. His brother ultimately transferred to Butler. He played like six years, but like 50 games because he's just always had these, always hurt. Brett was really good. But plus, Brett was like a, he took a lot of bullets for all the rest of the guys. hmm You know, like he stood up for people. He talked back to coaches just because he knew (laughs) we couldn't play without him. And like he just didn't take shit from anybody. So when he was gone, it kind of changed the dynamic. And then we had, we didn't have enough uh, eligible guards. We lost Florida Atlantic. Mm -hmm. I could, I could do a whole podcast on it, but I got to So anyway, I got a T in the, I got thrown out of the UCLA game. Again, another for podcast. For
6: what? Okay. You want to know the story? Just boil it down. Boil, boil
5: it. Down. Well, I got it. The first tee I got. So it's the only game I ever played in the state of California. I'm from California. We yeah. played in Orange County. I'm from Orange County, and we played against UCLA. My brother and sister are UCLA alums. I was a UCLA season ticket holder. When I, was a I kid. would have loved to go to UCLA. I was a I was a I was a ball boy for a time. You know, and who was the coach? Uh, well, we Jim Herrick recruited way. me, but I turned him down. And then Steve Lavin was the coach that we lost to. So. Um, so I turned them down at a high school um, and then when well, I went to Notre Dame and then when I when I was sitting out in between had Baron Davis not gone there I would have gone there right. be a better player than me right so they were like wait, waiting on Baron so Baron it was his first game off of the ACL tear from the end of his freshman year mm. so he was heavy he wasn't very good but I got in a tee where I mean the officiating was awful there's a guy named Charlie Range and anybody listens podcast is from Western United States or a high a college basketball coach like oh Charlie Range yeah, he's borderline criminals official he's <laughs> fucking horrible huh. okay and but he would always do the big West Coast game when somebody from the East would come and play or Midwest would come and play and lo and behold like they would get calls like Charlie Range Dave Libby was a better official but also could be a merciless prick if you t- if you looked at him weird like he would he'd He coached my last game ever for nothing. Anyway, so um, I go, and I'm, you know, again, kind of like you, like I'm in college. I probably run my mouth more than I should. Yeah, of course. So like we start the game and it's like 6-0 and and fouls. Mm. And so I flipped the ball to him after he calls like a little nickel diamond. I was like, come on, Charlie, even him up a little bit. He he bangs me. Gone. You know, he bangs me. That's the first. Right, 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 right. So end of the first half. Like we're holding for the last shot and I probably went early off a high ball screen. I go in and I shoot a floater over uh, Jerome Moiso, French kid, and Dan Gedsreach. reach I don't know how you remember all these names. I don't remember half the dudes I played against. Well, they were both pros and that shit came out so hard. They were like, bah, bah, bah. and then Baron, like, he, I, I went by him. Yeah. So instead of trying to get back defensively, like he leaked out, he gets a layup, lays it in. I think it was only two points of the night. And he comes back, like, talking shit. Yeah, motherfucker! Yeah! Yeah, motherfucker! <laughs> and he, he like, bumped shoulders to me. I was like, get the fuck off me, dude. Right? And he takes a dive. Oh! No, no. Takes a dive. So they call an intentional foul. But then no. they go back, and the intentional foul was after the halftime buzzer had expired. Right. So tech. it's considered a technical foul. Uh, so I have to stay in the locker room in the second half. We lose by three points. So uh, we oh had... Uh, we had a, a a player sitting out. Um, I, I I promised my teammates I would not I would not say his name aloud because he's the one guy who's not in the circle, but his name is Glennon Alexander. He's had some, inter- he's had an interesting post career career life, whatever. He's the all time leading scorer in the state of Texas. He was oh, a wow. transfer from Arkansas, so he was eligible the next game. So, uh, and that's really what kind of unsettled our whole team. We had terrible chemistry because. Mm. He thought he should play right away, and like we were, all, we all started the year before. And we were really good, so somebody was going to sit. It ended up being him, and him coming out the bench, and end up kind of settling and working itself out. But the next eight games, I was in the doghouse, and he had enough. Well, dudes. You have, to, you have to sit a game, don't you? No. If you get as you punch somebody, uh, yeah. I don't know if the rules change now. I don't know if you get thrown out now. You have to sit. But but I played like eight minutes, nine minutes, ten. like I was like. Fuck! I'm out of here. Right, like this dude is doghouseing me for some bullshit. Mm-hmm. And those are also the games against the shitty teams, like Southeast Missouri State. <laughs> right, like yeah. dude, I would have had 15 assists. <laughs> right. So the the net net is at the end of that year, we end up turning around, having a good year, having a good run at the end of the season, and losing to Auburn. Um, Bruce didn't coach there then. Um, <laughs> um, losing to Auburn in the second round of the tournament. Yeah. But I I led the country in assists. But I only played 26 minutes a game, which is mm-hmm. the lowest number of minutes per game. So you probably had the highest group. efficiency rating. No question. Like through the like per 40 per 40. Yeah, oh, it was insane. These numbers. No like look at everybody else who leads the country and assists. they all average like 35, 36 minutes yeah. a game. And now part of it was my own doing with like free throw shooting took me out of games late. Yeah. So that hurt my scoring average as well. What, right? did,
6: what did you average in the line?
5: Oh, fucking terrible! Like 40 something.
6: Really? Yeah. Well, I thought I was bad. I was like fifty six, and that was bad.
5: But I would go. I would. I would start good, and then I would always hit like some mental thing. And, it's such a and mental usually, thing. Oh, it's the worst. So, especially uh, if the, it was a game where like it's it, it, so. So I'm, my point is, go, go, there was go, a yeah. really long way of getting around to like I completely understand. Like, had I, 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 had three assists short, and at the time, I, like now I'm like thirteenth or 11th, now I'm eleventh. Yeah, but like, had that doghouse not occurred, there's eight game stretch there. Yeah. I'm probably third all time in assists. See that in like right? third, fucking third. That's crazy, like dude, third. Nobody, cause nobody will catch you anymore. Because with the exception of like a COVID guy, nobody plays long enough. Right. That's like I was true. like TJ Ford. I was like, bro, you got you got to go
6: pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, yeah. Go that's pro. funny. I mean, it's like for me. I mean, it, you you. It probably means a lot more to you than it does for me, but like. It just it bugs me that for the rest of my life now I have to say I graduated the second all-time leading rebounder and sc- I wish I could just could have said No, that. I haven't
5: I mean listen, it happened in my my high school. Um my boy David Lalazarian, he surpassed me and I was second in I was second all-time in scoring. So now I'm third. I had I had for everything else, mm-hmm. scoring and assists and he like won up me in his senior year. It's, it's a bummer. <sighs> it's a bummer. But the only other way to look at it is well, I'm second. It could be worse. Like I could be, gee, yeah. I'm on the I'm on the I'm on the list.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
5: Okay, so you get done playing. These guys are searching out to you, Facebook. Um, yeah. How just, did you just? How did you pick an agent? Uh, Jim
6: Naughton was, uh, I think, connected to me through my dad. My my father worked for Nike for thirty one years. He um he started with them when they were Blue Ribbon Sports, and I think he was employee number two hundred four. He was very early. He started with Nike in the seventies, and um uh he made a lot of contacts through the years and one of one of his people like connected him with this guy Jim Jim Noton out of Texas who was a sports agent in Europe for Europe European players and um yeah I just I remember standing outside the library at, in Durham and like Jim's pitch was the best one I heard so I just signed with him
5: so uh wh- where's your first team Ostuni Italy that
6: was also during the lockout in 2011 so like the European teams were like bolstered so it kind of all the NBA guys came over and it kind of pushed everyone sure. down um, so what division? Second division. Okay, where's where's
5: Ostuni? Ostuni,
6: Italy is in Puglia. It's in this. It's in the south. It's in the heel of the boot of Italy. I had never heard of it. It's called La Città Bianca, which means the white city. It's all whitewashed limestone buildings. It's a great place to go on vacation. It's it's really amazing. The whole city. It's up on a hill. It's surrounded by olive trees. Like it's something out of like Game of Thrones. Um, it's great place to visit. Just you know, you're living there for ten months now. And I'm holy shit. I'm in Italy. And my, I think my first contract was like $40,000. Sure. It wasn't much, but it's, it's tax free. And they give you a house. They give you a, give you a car, pretty good deal. And the car they gave me was a 1992 Fiat Marea. It was terrible stick shift. Aaron Johnson, who was a UAB guy. You might know him. He, he was a assist leader in 2011. I know Aaron Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was my point guard. Uh, a ama- I, playing with Aaron Johnson was one of the most pleasant experiences of my life. That, that dude got me the ball. Like he would just drive into traffic and then disappear. And then the ball would just be in my hands. I don't know how he did it, but um, yeah, we, they went bankrupt with like four months left of the season. Didn't tell us we kept playing when we realized it, the team started, you know, the guys started striking for me. I didn't care. It wasn't about the money for me. I just wanted to put on display what I was capable of. Yeah. And, I think I lost like half my contract that season because they just stopped paying. And like, they, that's the thing about Europe is like, yeah, it's tax free. It's great. They pay you when they want to pay you. They pay you if they want to pay you and they have, they have your FIBA contract. And then they have this thing called the image contract. And the image contract is that black money. It's that untaxed envelope that you get at the end of, you know, every month. And it's comes wrapped in like ankle taping pre wrap. And, uh, there you go. um, And, you know, you can make more money signing a bigger image contract, but you're putting yourself at risk because if the team fails, then you are owed less money because it's not on the books. Um, Played well. You know, obviously it didn't matter that we went bankrupt. Then I signed with Sassari and Sassari's in Sardinia. And I went from (laughs) I went from Ostuni, Italy, Second Division to First Division, um, uh, a team consisting of Travis Diener, Drake Diener, Bootsy Thornton. Um who else was on that team? Tony Easley. We we, we we I went from like they gave me a BMW X6. Like we it just like we're in European Cup, we're in Euro Euro Cup now. We're going to Serbia, we're going to Spain, we're going to France. And man, what in that playing for Sassery, just seeing Travis Diener manage everything on and off the court was amazing this dude is so talented it doesn't matter you could make a game of flipping beer bottle caps into a trash can across him he's going to make it a competition and he's going to be better than you at it Travis travesty is the most one of the most talented dudes i've ever met in my life and you know i don't know how tall he is and he, he's not the biggest athlete in the world when you look at him you're like he's just a normal dude he's just so skilled at everything and i've never the way he carries himself the way he talks to the coaches, the way he talks to the refs, the way he manages the floor. It was like, I maybe next to Bootsy, no other player has impacted me that much in my entire life playing with Travis Diener. Um, just his general demeanor towards life and, and competition and being a a fucking man. It like to this day, we, we still talk. We're still, um, we're still good friends. And he's just, he, I don't even think he realizes how much he inspired me
5: when um when you tell me the israel story with your knee oh <laughs> oh
6: wait i mean yeah it's not there's not really much to tell there i went so I, so okay. this year
5: what so you go so that
6: was year i went ostuni sassari trieste up in the northeast what was that like uh that was a cool city it was it was like it's the last city before you hit slovenia um back to second division i averaged like 12 and 8 that season we weren't that good but um, we saved ourselves from relegation because the bottom team in the league goes down a division, okay. and we saved ourselves. Uh, and then from there, I went to Israel. I signed with Gilboa Galil, first division, and my agent Avi Zilberman. Oh, Avi Zilberman, don't worry. Like he was like then you saw, It was Jim's uh, partner would say don't worry we put you on Gilboa you average um, 10 and 7 next year I put you in Maccabi Tel Aviv no course, problem yes. easy easy you'll uh, set the screen and rebound and everybody will be happy you know and like okay great so I have to go to Gilboa do decent and then I'll play for Maccabi next year in the Nokia arena I'll be living in Tel Aviv I'll nice. be a celebrity in, in in Israel it's gonna be amazing and second game of the season I tore my ACL against Jerusalem um i went up for a rebound and it just came down on my knee funny and it went it went too far in yeah um
5: heard the pop Tell the pop
6: no nothing it just it just i just remember coming down and being like whoa my knee went too far in and i i stood up because i was playing well and um i remember they had tony gaffney on their team who else is on that team but i i stood up and i was like don't be a bitch don't be a bitch keep playing you're you're like this is so like you, this is a big opportunity. It's Jerusalem. And I started to walk and my knee just like wasn't working right. And then I was like, I got to come out of the game. So funny.
5: He said, don't be a bitch. I was, uh, I, I hung out with the university of Texas Yeah, and their, their first rule on their team is don't be a bitch. Don't be a bitch. It's,
6: yeah. it's like, I mean, you, you could throw that, that saying at a lot of things in totally.
5: life. Absolutely. I completely agree. And it's, it's, I actually, I had my, my, I had my son with a workout last night and we only had seven show up at our practice. Whatever. Oh man! And so I had him at the end playing three on three full. Oh no! And no, so no. he was dying, and he was like, "I can't even think." I go, "Do you know why?" Because I'm just stupid. And I go, "No, dude, it's because you're tired. Yeah, you're fucking tired. And when you're tired, you can't think. You can't. You can't make shots. You can't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know." Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like he's like so let's just like stop i was like no he cannot be a bitch bitch. don't be a bitch yeah like it's a good rule of thumb like just if you just hey i'm being a bitch right now i'm
6: not a big technical guy but you know i can't give you the manual but just fuck just figure it out dude i don't know like there's no just be tough i I have one tattoo on my wrist it says uh, that's it work harder it's not going anywhere that's it okay just work harder that's all um so yeah, so then my knee so whatever 10 month recovery and uh yeah, the whole knee situation. I mean, I don't know, I think so, there was like- So
5: so here's what I here's what I recall you telling me cuz I tried to get you to come to play the Maccabi games with, yes. with me in 13. And you were like, "I can't." And I was like, well, "What do you mean you can't? You're still playing." No, I can't play in Israel cuz I get benefits. Yeah. and I tore my knee as an Israeli citizen. That's correct. So there was there I, I, I'm not getting you in trouble by the way by by this podcast. No, 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 it's true and like do You it, still get the benefits? Uh
6: I I do because it altered my my career. Yeah, I but mean, wasn't
5: didn't you get it determined to be a career-ending injury? Well, no, career-altering injury. Ah.
6: I'm I, I lost money. I no lost question. I lost money from that injury. Yes. And I like so we they hired a lawyer my team stopped paying me and my payment went into the, this like Israeli fund or whatever. But we, we just, we asserted that like, if I never got hurt, I would have gone on to keep playing in Israel. Happy
5: Bill Zimmerman said I was going to play for yeah. Maccabi Tel Aviv. And, and, and
6: you know, and uh you know, so yeah, but it's true. Like I, I mean, even to this day, I still feel the lasting effects from that injury on my knee. And when I got back, I went to see, I went to play in Siena, Um and then I went to play in Verona, and like I still like it. My knee definitely affected me, so we we launched this case that just like it that it changed my career, and it might still be under deliberation exactly how it all how it's all working out. But uh, I mean, if I never got hurt, man, I, I'd I would like probably still be playing in Israel right now in some capacity. Um,
5: you so, know. so your your last two years, you played. Um, so then I, so, from so, so Verona and then where's the last one for
6: Lee for Lee. Yeah. For Lee okay. is, uh, near Bologna. It's in Romagna Um, so I, I played there and then what's, what's interesting is I had a one plus one in for Lee and they, they cut it. They released me after my first year. Okay, fine. So I went home and I'm like, I want to play in Japan. Japan is good money once a week. What's that? Yeah, I think it's yeah. once a week. Yeah, I think they only play like, once a week. And the the um, Americans just run the show over there. It's good, like technology, money, all that. You know, I've never been to Japan. I want to play in Osaka, the the food capital of Japan. So I hired this um, Italian um, agent. Her name was Deborah, and man, She sent me to she sent me to L.A. for this tryout, and I did really well. And then, like, when it's coming around to signing time, late August, she just like disappeared she went on vacation and i was like i'm not signed it's not and there was a whole falling out and i had been pushing away italian teams because i was so hell-bent on playing in japan that now it's september and the italian teams are full you know i've fired this woman and we're not working together anymore and now i'm stuck so i trained for like until i didn't sign until february i went back to for lee who essentially waived me the year before. Right. And it's like, what? you dumbasses, why don't you just keep me on the team? Like now, because they were struggling. Um, yeah. And then I played from February to May. And then at the I was just done. I was just like, I was like- How old were you? I, at the time, oh man, 29, 30, 30, 30 I think, 30 or 31. Okay. So, you, so you're flying back from Italy. Flying back from Italy, but like, so- Okay, before all of this, I want to host culinary travel television when I'm done playing basketball. That was my unscripted. We should, you and I should do this show. But yeah, I'm, I'm. Listen, I'm all ears for for this. Um, this is our pitch, by the way. So, when I. <laughs> it started when I went to Israel in 2014, I started creating food content overseas because
5: cooking or going to go
6: into eat things, both, both cooking things. And then like getting lost, finding food and just like, I love that. Like street food and all that stuff. Like, to the American audience who doesn't get who don't get to go to Europe who don't get to go to Israel and experience Rothschild's Boulevard or or you know whatever it, it, Europe is easy because it shoots itself you don't like America you gotta get real creative because everyone's seen the shit when you go to Europe you just show what's there people oh this is amazing you know so I'm building this content thing I want to host unscripted culinary travel television so I start making all this content and then so when my my final season in Four Lee – I like I still this throughout this whole process I'm just, I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do once basketball right ends. that was and, my question
5: about your ride home
6: and I'm looking for that thing to do what am I going to do? so like I want something that's different projects all the time so like for basketball it's different seasons which is which is nice I want to do something that requires me to stay in shape all the time okay just like pro basketball and I want something as equal or as good as of pay as playing professional basketball. Got it. Right. So I'm home in Boston and I'm I'm like, I still don't have anything set. So I'm training for the next season of basketball. And I got a phone call in July from Boston Casting, who had my information, because I think I Sent in a video. I saw an ad in the newspaper a few years before. My mom did for Slender Man, the movie Slender Man. And I sent in an audition tape. So they just had my information from years before. And they called me and said, hey, we're shooting this movie in Boston called Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. And the big bad guy is this six foot eight muscled man. And we need you as a stand-in. And I'm thinking, what the hell's a stand-in? And so I go down a set and I'd never been on a movie set before. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't know what this is or whatever. And while I'm there, so what time of year is this? This is July of okay. 2019. Okay, and I'm still training every day. I go to Harvard. Fun movie, by the
5: way, what's that fun movie?
6: Yeah. Oh, movie. no question. Um, I'm still training every day at Harvard University, preparing for the next season. By the way, every time I'd see Tommy Amaker walk through the gym into the office, he'd go, "Dane, man, wish we could have had you." I'm like, Tommy, you could have. I would have went to Harvard in a heartbeat. I wish, I, like, but they never offered me at the time. Sure. But like, it, it was, he always hung that over my head, and it still to this day bugs me. I would have loved to go to Harvard, but, um, so yeah. So, and while I was there, the stunt coordinator comes up and he goes, "Look, I, I, I don't know who you are, but your size, the way you're built, the way you move, like, you need to be an actor. You just because you're you're tall, but you're proportionately tall, and da 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 da." And I, you know, oh, wow, interesting. I never thought about that. And
5: so I, what, so like a stand-in, okay. So you're
6: a stand-in is someone who stands I, there. I
5: I I, I know. I mean, I for li- think who, listener, for the listener, right. Somebody, no, you, but you, I think people know, right? You just stand it. But again, how about this? So tell me what like the day of a stand-in that you're actually.
6: So it's interesting because you're very close to the main actors on set, whereas if you're an extra in a movie, they kind of like corral you, like like steer, yes. like cows and like oh like like background holding, like you're the goal of my life is to never be in a place called holding. They have background holding where they're like, and they like, they usher him. You're standing. You're right there on set with the director, with the producer, with the main actors, because when they need you to, when they set up the lights for the scene and you stand there while they set up the lights, because how dare the main actor stand there when they're not shooting or anything, they go and sit down and rest and which I appreciate. And I understand. It's also um, part of the
5: union thing, right? There's only a certain number of hours they are allowed. To something like
6: there, that, yes. potentially. So you have to know the actor's lines. You have to know they're blocking. Oh, you had to know their lines, through. and
5: they're blocking. Well, because they're you're they
6: they shoot with the stand-ins to figure out the lighting right, right. before right, and you have to know exactly what that actor is. So doing. how'd you how'd you do with the lines? They never used me. They never used me that day. I stood it was on only the, one day. One day, I stood on the side. Did you meet Ryan Reynolds? I saw him. Yeah, You I, saw him, or did you meet him? I did not talk to him. He, <clears throat> I got. I was standing too close to him because his daughter was there on set. I was standing apparently too close to him because, <clears throat> excuse me, I was behind him, and I saw him look back at me, and I was a little too close. And he, he, he called the PA over, and a PA. He whispered something to him, and then the PA went right at me. He goes, "Seems, sir, can you back up about ten paces?" And I was just like paces oh, yeah like just step, like step away no,
5: i know, away. It, I, know it, I understand but they actually use the word paces i don't know steps paces well oh, i'm just i'm like I mean, fascinating. like who uses the word paces yeah I, I don't know but this it was just some like 17 year old pa
6: yeah, yeah. kid that like ryan Reynolds, so ryan Reynolds, Reynolds thought something. you were
5: creeping up on him yeah <laughs> okay all right so so, so that i back also, up so that let's list- oh, go ahead you back
6: and up. i go and i sit in a producer's chair because i'm thinking you like just
5: keep fucking up <laughs> <laughs> who's this gigantic fuck up? Who's this gi- who's this giant who's sitting in my chair?
6: So the the PA who had just walked away from me after he gave me orders looks over glances over his shoulder and sees me sitting down in like Sean Levy's seat or whatever and sprints over and goes Please, sir, can you get up and just get away from this area? <laughs> I learned real quick, never sit in uh, someone's chair that has their name on it. That is like a big, I didn't know. I know I had never been on a movie set before. I'm, a... I'm from Lexington, Massachusetts. I'm a 6'8 white Jewish guy who went to New Hampshire. I've never been on a movie set. I don't know how it works. Um. So anyway, so the stunt, you know, I start. I'm bored, so I start talking to Ryan Reynolds' stunt double. His name's Daniel Stevens, and the stunt coordinator. His name's Chris O'Hara, and we're just chit chatting, shooting the shit about basketball and blah blah blah. And that's when the suggestion came: Look, you should look into acting. You have a, you know. So I was going to LA the next week anyway to pitch culinary travel television. I wrote a treatment, and there was a producer that I was working with, and. While I was there, I reached out to some producers and you know people in the biz, and I said, "Hey, you know, I'm D- Dane DeLegro, 6'8", basketball player, going to be in town pitching a show. Would love to meet with you." And cutting a lot of stuff out because it's a long story, but I I ended up booking a Netflix show two weeks later called Sweet Home. Um, uh, it was a, it was a Korean Netflix. It was the, it was the Squid Game the year before Squid Game came out. So yeah, I played muscle monster in this show and I'm like, huh, acting, this is interesting. So I, when I flew home from that initial LA trip, I told my mom, I'm going back to LA the next week to talk to more producers. And that's when I booked this show. It was like, and then, yeah, it was a crazy thing. And then I'm like, okay, I guess I'm talking to my brother. He's like, why don't you just live in LA for a month and try out this acting thing? And then you just go back to basketball. Sure. No problem. So I go And I ended up going to Korea for a month to shoot this Netflix show and I did a really good job and I came back and then the pandemic hit and now I can't go back to basketball and I'm stuck in this tiny LA apartment that I thought I'd be here for, you know, a month or whatever. And, um, do you make good money when you're
5: doing it? When you do this, the Netflix show? Like, yeah,
6: yeah. That was a non-union job. So they, we gave them a number and they took it. So um, who's we? Uh, I had a stunt um agent advising me on some of this stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean even as a, a union actor in just the normal acting world, if you're making scale, that's that's like a thousand one thousand thirty dollars a day. Now if you're working every day as a scale actor, you're making pretty good money. Um no complaints there. So it's yeah, it's decent money. If you
5: what was the what was the language barrier like? You go to Korea. Yeah, I had Kore- two
6: translators. Oh, this is a funny story. So we, I go to Korea, and I'm playing this character called Muscle Monster. Yes, I'm looking. I'm wearing this you know, 80, 90-pound foam latex costume that has four inches of foam latex around me. I'm, I'm, he's like a mutated bodybuilder. Um, and the creature shop that built this suit sent three people over with me to kind of manage the suits that I'm wearing. I think that I have two suits. Um, and they... Netflix provided these two translators for us, Kevin and David. And I just remember Kevin, he was like, he looked like the Korean Harry Potter, but Kevin and David grew up in New Zealand. So they were, they were Kiwi Koreans. Okay. The director who was amazing could not speak English. And I didn't understand the process of acting and being on set and shooting a TV show. Typically you get your when you come in in the morning, they give you your sides, your like your lines, they give you a call sheet and you go over all of your lines and all of your action, everything you have to do. So you can read that. When I came in the morning, nothing, just go, go into makeup, get ready, blah, blah, blah. And I had my little tent on set in, in this sound stage with like this huge air conditioning tube that would go up my stomach to keep me cool. And then they would say, okay, Dane, well, we're going to, we're shooting this scene. Now you're going to go, um, uh, she's going to hit you in the nuts with a baseball bat. And then you're going to turn and smash her into a wall. Sure. Great. Let's go do it. Awesome. And you know, then you go shoot the scene or whatever, but it was just, it was interesting the way the Korean hierarchy worked. So Kevin, I could tell that this kid had no business being on set. His dad was like a producer or something. He So, Kiwi Korean. So, we'd be on set and the director would tell him something. And he didn't understand that, like, as a translator, you have to tell me exactly what the director's saying. Because it's hard enough as a director to explain to your actor what you want. So, this director would talk to him Korean. And then he'd be, everything started off with basically. And he'd go, so, basically, the director... Like, okay, so you're really angry, and you're chasing this guy, but you're hungry. But you can't show you're angry because you're hungry. So you, you turn the corner, and you smash into the- Wait, wait, wait Kevin, what the- Wait, 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 what? You can't give me the basics. You got to tell me exactly what I have to do All with right. this guy. So, okay, th- 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 Shannon my, was my liaison from LA. I, I got to get another translator because this is not- I don't know what to do. Cause I'd shoot a scene in the director like, no, 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 you can't. So it was a whole, it was a whole thing. But now I have like Kevin's like, um, New Zealand accent yes. ingrained. Very good accent in, in my head. Basically from here. Sorry. Basically. basically yeah. Yes. Um, and so it was just, a, but I ended up doing a really good job and it was a lot of fun. And so I come back and like they were like, you, you can do this. You should, you know, it's about playing monsters essentially. And I always figured playing monsters is great because I can leverage my athleticism to becoming an actor. And then I can leverage that into becoming an actual actor as a backdoor into acting. Um, And I came back, the pandemic hit, everything shut down, couldn't go back to basketball. Obviously, Uh, you know, Italy was going through their own thing at the time. Yeah. And, yeah, now I'm in L.A. The streets are empty. I bought a road bike, and I just start riding to Manhattan Beach and back every day from West Hollywood. How far is that? 50 miles.
5: 50 miles there and back?
6: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, There and back, yeah. There and back, a home and home. There you go, home and home. Um, yeah, you ride to, like, the Manhattan Beach Pier and back. It's it's about 50 miles, something like that. So I just did that. I would hike. I would alternate. I'd hike one day. I'd bike the next day. And I, I laid down artificial grass in my living room. It became my gym. It's very functional, very functional living room. It wasn't too hot with the ladies, but it, it was good for me. I could do all my <laughs> could do all my movements and my training and everything. And um then I booked uh, to be Master Chief in the Xbox commercials for Halo. And Legacy Effects built a one-of-one custom Molinier armor for me to be Master Chief. And then things just started moving. Walking Dead walking dead was interesting i just walked in a circle for six hours in calabasas (laughs) it was really not that trying or difficult um and then yeah just like things start moving the pandemic's starting to i was i was at the water world stunt show at universal studios to learn stunts and stuff like that And, and um and then i got a like a phone call. Meanwhile, I don't have a real theatrical agent.
5: I'm doing everything managerial. By the way, right now, if you're a real theatrical agent, and you're looking for a guy with incredible potential, his name is Dane DeLegro. Yes. Or manager or, th- or, or
4: manager. or manager. Or manager.
6: Or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, so, I'm doing this all- I'm getting all these jobs on my own, essentially. And um, I, I the stunt agent's helping me look over contracts, but essentially, you know, I'm garnering everything on my own. Um, How'd you get the Predator gig? Okay, so then- well then Amer- there was american horror stories was first they named the episode after me that was just most of the stuff is just on instagram someone would dm me and be like hey do you have a like are you around in may y- yeah i'm around in may do you want to be in american horror stories yeah sure and that's how that, that's, that's how it. that's how it goes there's no there's really no audition there's no like vetting process um in january of 2021 I got a message on Instagram from a guy named Alec Gillis, who who runs the former Studio ADI, and he said, "We need you. I need you to come in for a design pitch for a project um, we're working on in Canada." And I'm thinking, interesting. And he, I think he offered me lunch or like 200 bucks or something. <laughs> and I said, "Keep keep your money. Just whatever the job has put me in for it." Yeah, oh, they're shooting in Canada. LA's bringing in an LA guy. It's a bad spend. You know, You get tax relief when you use a Canadian or whatever. So I drive out to uh Chatsworth to the studio. And what's going to happen is that the, he wants me to they're designing a, a creature suit for a show a movie and the director, the director of photography and the producer are going to come in and watch how this suit moves and the, the the design of this head. And Alec told me he wanted me to bring a balletics svelteness to this character. Okay, what the hell is balletics svelteness? So it's my job to figure that out what okay. that is. I get there. And there it is laid on the table is the predator costume from the last movie.
5: Now, did you, had you, were you a predator fan?
6: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Okay. I like mean,
5: old school, you watched the old Arnold. Yes. Predator.
6: Yes, of course. No, when I, when I moved to Los Angeles to do this creature acting thing, these are quotes because yeah. I, I do not want to be branded as a creature actor because once you get in, put into that whole
5: uh, typecast.
6: Yes. But I had two roles in mind that I wanted one, Number two was to be a predator. Mm -hmm. I thought that would have been the coolest thing of all time. Number one is to be Jason Voorhees because that he is my ultimate horror icon, but to be a predator, I was a predator fan. I knew all the actors. I knew all the movies. I knew all the culture. I was very excited. So I come in and there it is. There's the predator costume from the last movie laying out in this table and oh my God. And they had this 3d iteration of a predator head they printed out and they used like ropes as the dreads. And I'm thinking that's kind of a predator. It's kind of not, it's gross. It's weird. It looks like an insect. It looks like a bug. So they suited me up in this suit. That was way too small for me. I remember it was cutting off circulation in my hands. My hands were ballooning up and my, I was losing feeling in my fingers and I couldn't see anything out of this gray 3d printed plastic head. But Dan Trachtenberg, our director, Jeff Cutter, Marty Ewing, they all come into the shop, and I gave what I thought was balletic svelteness, and I'm thinking feline. What is balletic sveltenous? Um Svelteness is like, like like, a ballerina, like smooth and graceful, yeah. but like svelteness is like lean and dynamic, right? So I'm thinking like feline, something like a cat. Um and I'm jumping up on tables. I'm getting really low. I'm like shifting my weight from side to side. I'm running through the shop. I'm sliding all over the place. I'm running through the parking lot. Um, there are a couple, I think people, there were surrounding businesses were taking pictures because this was a scene. It was a big scene. Um, and at the end of the thing, Marty, they go, how tall are you? I said, well, I'm 6'9". So I'm 6'8 a half. I dance between 6'8 and 6'9". And that's six nine. When you're monster role, you're six nine. It's better I, to be <clears throat> bigger. Oh, six nine. That is the height we're looking for. And in my head, I'm like, they don't have anyone fucking cast for this role. And I go, listen, guys, here's the deal. <clears throat> I will do anything to be your predator. I like I, I would kill for this role. I want I want to be your predator. I used to play professional basketball. Th- this is what I do. I trained to be an actor. I trained to be a monster. Like I'm going to give you blood. Yeah. All right. We'll see. We'll see. We'll keep you in mind, Marty. Say we'll figure out a way to get you in there. <clears throat> so yeah. So yeah. I, and I ended up, you know, being the guy to play this role, and I,
5: you know, it just worked out. What is what was the premiere like when you're
6: oh. We're not even talking about filming or anything. Well we talk about filming and stuff of just what was filming it like. Oh it, we shot in Calgary for three months in Canada. It was this time last year. This is it beautiful? September thirteenth, I flew home. What's today? September thirteenth literally a year ago today I flew home from Calgary. What mm. was it like? It was crazy. It was hot. Um you're another foam so foam lake text is an interesting thing. It's a sponge. And you're wearing it. We had six suits and four heads. Um the heads There were two stunt heads, two animatronic heads. These animatronic heads have thirty servos, where what are little motors inside controlling the face. There's four people puppeteering the face of this character. So when we're we're doing a scene, I have to do what the predator's doing, but I have to let my puppeteers know what this exactly this predator's doing because they're controlling the emotions, the face. So when I'm roaring, I have to cue them on exactly how I'm going to do that. it, I don't know, I would like lift my arms up before I swing them back or something. We would go over that before every every right, scene. Right. It's really like Bluetooth with these people. You, It's like, it's crazy the synergy that's required to make this character. Um, it's interesting, I listened, Dan, our director, went on BBC the other day and he was saying like, there are so many things you have to do just to not make, just to make it look like you're not a dork in a suit. And then you have to act. So, like, the predator's head was sitting on top of my head, and it weighs 15 pounds. I had to shrug my shoulders and shorten my neck and look at the ground to make the predator look forward, right? Like, so I shot this movie essentially blind. I was looking out through two holes in the neck, straight at the ground. So all my fighting scenes, all my acting scenes, all everything, I can't see anything. And... We had to lay sticks on the ground for me to follow, so I knew where to walk. I had a, a speaker in my ear, so my first AD could cue me on things that I couldn't see. And then my fighting scenes, I, I, they, we just had to rehearse it, and I couldn't hit any of my cast castmates. You know, it was it was scary. You're fighting Amber Mid Thunder in a fight, and she did most of her stunts. And if she doesn't duck when I'm swinging my spear, it's my fault. If she's in the way when I'm swinging my spear, it's my fault. If it's her fault, it's my fault. Yeah. So, cause I'm the number three, she's the number one. Yeah. And I'm also like the, the dirty Grammy, you know, monster guy that right. you don't see his face. It's my fault. Always 10 out of 10. She could literally be like, I'm going to get hit in the face intentionally. And it's my fault. So terrifying. Ter- I can't see her. And, um, um, it was just insane. There was a day my, you know, my animatronic head caught on fire because uh, the battery pack short circuited. Just all the scenes, the mud, uh, be, be, that mud smelled so bad. You've you've seen the movie? Have you seen? Okay, or, okay, yeah. The mud, the mud pit was only supposed to be there for two weeks. We were shooting on week eight. So that. what
5: are you doing in, well you said you had sticks in the ground though, but now there's this all this mud. Like how do you how do you know where to move when there's you involved? Well the mud pit
6: and the final scene. I
5: understand, but how do you like how do you you're, you're describing it as you're operating blind.
6: Yeah. But you're, you're Essentially d- blind. I can see my feet. I can look at my feet.
5: Still though, but you're also doing all this other stuff with your body. Yes. Now yes. you throw in a mud pit. How does yeah. that work?
6: Uh the mud pit was I was like Low, you know, above my waist in the mud, and it was. uh well, What are yeah. you
5: looking at there?
6: The ground. The, the nothing. Nothing. So how do you know what to do? Uh, they cue me. So my first ad was in my ear with the with the with the speaker. Okay. He had a god mic on him, and he would tell me where to point the gun because I'm looking straight at the ground, right? So he he'd like bring the tip down. You know, oh, a little bit to the left, a little bit. Hold it, hold it. And you're setting up cameras. If you're holding something, keeping your arm out and it, it's, you're, it's only out you there You got 15 for like, pounds in your head, too. Yeah, 15 pounds. So I, I'm pulling a lot of levers. It's like it's like a little alien inside this giant body. They love the breathing. I had to really focus on, I had to actually breathe, show breathing, because they loved how- yeah. tight the foam latex was to the sh- the suit, and I did this kind of breathing thing that showed that. Like, you ha- I have to think. I'm telling a story non-verbally, right? I don't have the luxury of using words like you know Amber and Dakota's characters have. I have to tell a story through posture and through movement. So like, I have to think about what are my hands doing. So like, are my hand so you know even like. Sometimes you catch frozen hands. So you have to do this with your hands. You have to open your hands. You have to kind of fan your hands out. So I have to think about what my hands are doing. How am I walking? Where's my posture? I also have to remember to shorten my neck and look at the ground. I also have to remember to do this breathing thing. I also have to remember I have four people relying on me to do cues if I make a big action. So that's just to look normal. Then I have to act. Yeah then i have to remember choreography and blocking then i have to remember fighting so
5: you so you you go through this whole thing it was unbelievable okay uh, do you know are you uh, do you know what it actually looks like no i
6: when we wrapped the movie i told dan I, said, I can't wait to see this thing i haven't seen a damn thing this whole fucking shoot okay
5: so so i was up there in 90 days or whatever I so didn't you see come back september thirteenth. when do you when do you when's the premiere the premiere is August third. Okay, so
6: there's like, did you did you see anything before then? Yes. Yeah, so I, so at first we had we had additional photography in February. So I went into so it's weird. Let's get a little deep here. I went into this like post production depression when I got back because for three months I was relied on. I was the main antagonist of this major motion picture, whatever seventy million dollars. I was. I was accountable every day. I was needed. I was like, you know, you're in the, there's the 300 crew members around you. And then you're in that inner circle of 12 people setting up a shot. And it's
5: like, Oh my God. Right. And so you get home and you get home.
6: And now I'm like taking out my trash and collecting mail and like grocery. And I don't have anything booked. I, I I like barely scratched this job. Like,
5: and now do you get paid then or do you get paid when it releases?
6: You get paid then. You get paid then you sign a, a flat flat rate, flat contract, and um yeah, and then there's like overtime and stuff. But um I wasn't I didn't have anything booked. I came home, I had nothing going on. No no one knows who I am. I, I like I got lucky with this job through Instagram. It wasn't like, oh, we gotta have Dane. His prowess is amazing, you know. So so the premiere. So like so we did additional photography in February, we added a couple scenes, we changed things around, and then in March I saw a cut a version of the film, D- Dan had Dakota and I come to 20th century and we sat in the theater and watched it. And he had us go through everything, what we thought and and what our ideas were. And um, when we shot this thing, there, there was no title. Like th- th- it shifted a little bit through time. The movie kind of evolved. And when we were shooting this, no one really knew what this was going to be. You know, obviously a period piece, adventure story with a little sci-fi sprinkled in. Interesting. Um, And then I saw the movie in March and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Do you think
5: you were good or do you You think, like, I'm just okay?
6: Well, it's interesting because for a character like that, there's a lot of things that go on in the movie that, that don't really require, like, for me, it's like a basketball game. First of all, acting and, and, ba- and pro sports are so similar, are so ridiculously similar. You come in every morning, you got your coach, you got your director, you got your GM, you have your producer, you have your teammates, you have your castmates. One common goal, make a nice picture, okay? You talk about role player, okay? Role in a movie. You come in, the bigger, the bigger the production, the bigger the jigsaw puzzle. You're just a piece in the jigsaw puzzle show up, keep your head down, keep your nose clean, do your fucking job, smile, say yes, be happy. Same thing at practice. Hey, I need you to sprint harder. I need you to set the screen. Sh- do your job. I um, you're good at screening. By the way, you actually
5: were look like, keeping your head down.
6: <laughs> literally, yeah, literally keeping my head down. <laughs> literally. Um it's like coming in not complaining, knowing what you have to do to, for this one common goal. I would rather work with 11 other less talented guys who are easy to be around who i know i can rely on than super super talented people who just suck being around you know what I mean? yeah. suck to be around. so like you're on set for you know a number of months with these people you're with them every single day same thing on a team you're in a locker room with these people every single day it's like being a good person to be around it goes so much further than being super super talented um and like I said, pros, like the transition from, you know, other than off the court stuff, the politics of sports and, and entertainment that come into play. But be, when you're in it, when you're working, it's so similar. And um, I don't even know where I was going with this, but. Uh, talk about your depression. Oh yeah, yeah. So like, you know, same thing with the season, season ends, you come you come home and it's just you're like, missing. what am I doing? Yeah, like missing. I, I, I you,
5: miss, you miss that you miss that energy, you miss that connection with people, you miss being on a team. It's yeah. the hardest there's the hardest thing about team sports and going into workplaces, you you're used to being told what to do and be a part of a team and, you know, all of a sudden you have all this freedom which you think is what you want and you're like, you know what? I actually really like being told what to do.
6: Yeah, it's almost like a it's it's a low-level form of like institutionalization. Yes. And, yeah. um, I listen, and I know I, how lucky and fortunate I am to be able to have a job that kind of replicates what I got from basketball and everything I did. And now I, this is something that I can do for quite some time if I continue to experience success with it. Um, but I, I was like really just going through a very strange time. I was in a Doja Cat music video in October. Nice. I, um, uh, it was just, what it was song? Uh, get into it. Okay. I was the main alien overlord. I steal her cat. She <laughs> comes in, slaps me in the face, takes her cat back.
5: got yeah. to yeah, right. This, 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 this has to be, we're gonna, we have to do, we have to do more. We have to do more of them. We have to oh, do yeah. more of them.
0: At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be President Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe.
2: Mexico will likely have its first female president.
1: And then you have China.
5: Okay, so we'll wrap on this. Okay, wrap on this. Okay. Okay. You go to the premiere.
6: Let's so go to the premiere. What's the And uh, it was unbelievable. Well, We went to like six premieres. We went to Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con, we premiered the movie there for the first time. So I see it on screen for the first time at Comic-Con, and? the finished product. And? and I was like, holy shit, this movie's good. Two standing ovations when this movie, when the credits start rolling. And I look over and Amber's right next to me and she's tearing up and I'm I'm getting goosebumps now talking about it, but I started crying. This is real. Not to mention, not to mention they gave me like a single card credit. Now, I don't know if you know about crediting or if like how the crediting works in Hollywood, it's insane how contractually how important credits are. Okay. Yes. Your position in the rolling credits. Yes. Very important. But they have these things called like the cards, single card, multi-card, shared card, a single card is like at the end of the movie Tom Cruise's name comes in and comes yeah. out the order of the yeah, names yeah, yeah. like if you if there's three names on the on the list like top position middle position lower position you know and then there's the with Robert De Niro yeah. and Will Ferrell these are all it's a very like crazy science behind all of this okay and they 20th century gave me the single card and Dane DeLegro as the predator at the end that's for like
5: Robert De Niro. Yeah, but you're a predator. So I, I understand that, the, but you don't like I, I, you don't know. see my face. Did you kill it? What do you mean? Like when you watch it, I feel like I was fucking good. That was
6: good. So for me, it was like it's like it's less the movie's could have been bad, which it's not. It's amazing, but just I just wanted the predator to be scary. I wanted the predator to and? be convincing. And it it I feel like it was. It got great reception and I was super happy about that. And I just remember crying at the at the world premiere comic-con looking at amber during the the end credits and i was like holy shit!" there's like the big pinch me moment um i just couldn't believe it and they started chanting like make one more the crowd what the hell is it like that happens at Cannes or venice so you're gonna
5: you're gonna double your rate next time (laughs) yeah yeah
6: well uh, let's i don't don't know about that that's if 20th century calls me for another one okay um, uh
5: very last thing yes um, the next goal is the culinary show or to book legit acting roles
6: legit acting roles the culinary thing I feel like can always can always
5: happen yeah the more you grow as an actor the more you yeah the like the thing. it's uh, the culinary the predator <laughs> goes the predator goes to Italy and tries all the food like you go the with monster the in the kitchen yeah the, hall, it'll be amazing. But, but
6: yeah I mean that would be I, I imagine myself in like a, a Bigfoot Sasquatch suit in the back of a, like a Japanese kitchen folding dumplings with tiny with tiny women you know something like that um but yeah the, the reason why I couldn't get a cooking or a travel show was because I essentially wasn't famous right, enough right so, so you got to get build famous build that enough, brand then you, then yeah, you can go that, back uh,
5: and tell everybody fuck anyone you
6: Anyone can do a cooking show yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but uh yeah okay. so
5: the one you did the predator Yeah
6: Jason Voorhees would be my next that's like if if or like a xenomorph in the movie alien but I wanted to be humans I I you know the I
5: I love all the Can monsters. you confirm or deny? There are some reports on the internet about Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Can you confirm or deny?
6: I can confirm that there are reports on the internet about Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I don't I, I. don't know anything. I- I.
5: All right. You're mumbling. You're stuttering. Okay. We're going to do this again. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay. And so the next time, okay, the next time we do it- Okay. I want to do pl- places you've been, stuff you've eaten. So I want you to- Oh, yeah. I'll remember the things you've eaten, okay? Yep. And then-
6: uh, I didn't even talk about my butchery, and like then the whole my my apprenticeship at the butcher shop in Tuscany. I didn't even talk about that. You did not talk about that. No, that's a whole. Okay, that's so are other. Well, because we didn't go down the culinary path.
5: We're gonna go down the culinary path. This like was like sports of, and entertainment. And, and what we're gonna do is we're gonna we need to pick a movie, and I mean we we broke down your movie. You we, did. A l- no, I mean a little bit. Not enough. Do we, we want could, to go back through it?
6: I mean, we could, you could watch it. and You can ask me questions. You could ask me anything about the movie.
5: I'll tell you. Okay. Let's do that. Let's let's let's, that'll be our next part too. Is that yeah, deal? Sure. A culinary and behind the scenes and behind the scenes. F- fine with me. Dane DeLegro. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Awesome stuff there. I mean, really, really fascinating. By the way, if you want to listen to the Doug Gottlieb show, you can download it in podcast form all three hours. Just type in Doug Gottlieb show. Listen to it live at, uh what is it, uh, 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific Coast time on your Fox Sports Radio station, your iHeartRadio affiliate or the iHeartRadio app. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. And don't forget to download, subscribe, and rate. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball.